Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Please go back and listen to the podcast last week. I spoke specifically, theologically, about what it means to be the body of Christ. Tonight, I want to look a little bit more about what it means to be a local expression of the overall body of Christ. Last week was about the body of Christ at large. And if you remember, we read verses 12 uh, and 13, and then we skipped quite a bit, 14 through roughly 26. And I said that I was going to cover that section this week, but that's actually next week, so forgive me for that. But look again at verse 27. This is one of the things, uh, main points that I made. Paul says, now listen, you are the uh, body of Christ, or you are Christ's body, and individually you are members of of it. And we laid out this theological framework that whether you like it or not, you are part of the body of Christ. Because when you said yes to the Lord, the Holy Spirit um, immersed you or dunked you, or another place Paul says, placed you into the body of Christ with a specific role, with a specific purpose. You are part of the body of Christ. He says, and individually, you are members of it. And we talked about Romans 12 when Paul says, and this is the NLT version, but this is very accurate. Um, depiction of what he's saying. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, he says, so it is with Christ's body. He says, we are many parts of one body. And then he says this, and we all belong to each other. This week, I want to talk about the local church. I want to talk about what it means and the significance of being a part of a local expression of the body of Christ. And so look what he says at the very next thing. He says, you are Christ's body, 1 Corinthians 12, and individually members of it. And then look what he says in verse 28. He says, and God has appointed in the church. So he says, you are part of the body of Christ, talking about the overall body of Christ. And then he turns his attention to something very um, specific. He says, and God has appointed in the church, so he's talking about a specific location, a local expression of the larger body, and then he goes into apostles, prophets, teachers, people who work miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administration. Look at all these things that he's laying out there, these different roles that are supposed to function within the local context of the overall body of Christ. There is a local expression. How many of you know that the earth is really big? If you didn't know that, I'm concerned, first of all. But the earth is large, and the body of Christ, universal, the universal church, is spread out all over this earth. And so there has to be some sort of local representation, local functioning of all the things that Paul lays out in Ephesians, but also here in uh, 1 Corinthians, for those things to exist, for apostles to operate, for gifts of healings, helps, administrations. The idea of church, all that it is, all that it represents, all that it's supposed to be. In fact, if you look at Hebrews 10, you don't have to turn there, but you can write it down as a reference. The writer of Hebrews said, let us hold fast, everybody say, hold fast, to the confession of our hope, we know that's Christ, without wavering. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And then it says, and let us consider, as we're holding on, as we're holding fast, let us consider how to stimulate one another. Remember last week we talked about how we are members of one another. 
one body at large, but then let us consider how to stimulate one another on to love and good deeds. Some of your versions say towards love and godliness. And he's saying there's this, there's got to be a way on a small, like a micro level that we function for simply the sake of encouragement and building each other up, spurring on one another. Let's consider how to do that. And then the very next thing he says is not forsaking our own assembling together. Now, a lot of times people will use this as a um, way to promo church, and they will quote that specific section. But contextually, the reason that we don't forsake it is because that is how we are to stimulate one another on towards love and good deeds and godliness. That's why we don't forsake it, because we need that. We belong to each other. There's got to be some sort of local expression of the overall body of Christ where the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are meant to build each other up and equip each other can flow and function. And you can look all through Paul's writings and and even even what he says uh, earlier in chapter 12, he's talking about these specific gifts that that are specifically to be used. And if you know anything about the Corinthian church, they were abusing those gifts. People were using those gifts out of line, out of order, rather than decently and in order. He wasn't saying this whole thing's a sham. Y'all shouldn't even be gathering. He said, no, we should be gathering. And these things should be going on, but you need to know those things, those gifts, those things that God has given by his Holy Spirit should be done decently and in order. And he gives those gifts for the sake of the body and for the sake of those who are lost. And people were doing something completely different in the context of local church. And what he's saying is, we're not giving up on that. We just got to get it right. You understand? In Hebrews 10, he goes on to say, Not forsaking our own assembly, let us consider how to stimulate one another on to love and good deeds or um, to godliness. Not forsaking our own assembly. Then look at what it says. As is the habit of some. People were getting used to not being together and congregating. He said, but rather encouraging one another. Why? Because we all belong to one another. We just read that in Romans 12 but encouraging one another. And then he says this, and I think this is key for us. And all the more, don't forsake the gathering of the saints. All the more consider how to spur one another on towards love and good deeds as you see the day drawing near. Paul was looking ahead to a time. You think it's bad now? There's going to be a time, there's going to be a day and age where it's going to be really, really, really hard for multiple reasons. It's always been hard for the saints to gather. And I say that almost laughably because how hard is it for us to gather together, right? But we know that in other parts of the world, they're reading this way differently. I'm going to walk six hours to church because that's the only place I'm getting my encouragement. I am willing to put myself in harm's way, possibly even death, to get to that underground um, whole where 20 people are gathered just to hear that one page of scripture. Why? Because it's my only source of encouragement. We don't feel the weight of that, do we? And so it's very easy for us to forsake the gathering of assemblies. Why? Because we don't even feel like we need it, especially as the day approaches. Not only is it saying as the day um, approaches or as, as we get closer to the end when Jesus comes back, but one of the things that we know the closer we get to the Lord's coming, Scripture says knowledge will increase. And we can see that in technology. One of the things that technology is presenting to us is that I don't have to gather. I can get my feeding and I can get the things that I need through podcasts and through videocasts and through websites and through blogs. And those things aren't bad. 
But he says, let us not forsake the assembling together. Because that's where I am so far off my notes. Is this okay though? Because this is where we are able to operate in the very specific things that he gives us. The things he just laid out here in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Maybe you're an apostle. Maybe you have the gift of administration. Maybe you have the gift of healing. When we come together and in the context of local community, local church, that's where those things play out. When we forsake that, not only are we forsaking the opportunity to be encouraged, but also to encourage to be sown into, but also to sow into others. Paul says, don't do that because you are going to need that encouragement, especially as the day draws near. The church is the primary source of encouragement, especially today. And listen to me, every, and you can write this down, everyone needs a church. And I'm gonna say it this way, everyone needs, and we, we are familiar with this term, everyone needs a home church, a place where they can call home. A place where this is where I am able to rest. Everybody say rest and invest. And I thought about this analogy this week. Before I give you, I want you to give it to you. I want you to write this down. Sometimes I'll give sermons in a sentence. You guys know that. Here's the whole sermon in a sentence. Home is where the heart is. Write that down. Home is where the heart is. And I thought about this idea of a home church in relation to our home. Most of us have lived in a home. Some of us have bought homes. Some of us have lived in apartments. We've had some sort of semblance of home. If you're a teenager, maybe you haven't felt the, the weight and the decisions and all the things that come with finding a home. But those of you who have, you will understand what I'm saying. Think about when you were looking for your first apartment. Think about that place you, you or your first house. You're looking, you're shopping around. You, um, back when we were looking, we... You, you literally had to go visit it. You couldn't just go to a website. You guys remember those days? Yeah. So we're like driving around and you waste you know, $100 in gas trying to find a place to live. But you're looking for something that works for you. you know? And let's be more specific. Let's think about a home because it's uh, um, not an apartment. It can be home, but like a home home, a place that you buy. Think about the way that you approach it. You find something, you look at it, and you're looking for something that you feel is a place where you can rest you can escape the stuff of the world at work 40 50 60 hours a week uh, i want a place where i can come home and i can i can just rest i can kick my feet up it's a place where it just feels like home you guys know what i'm talking about how many of you've looked for a house or even an apartment you've looked at this like yeah this isn't it it just didn't feel like home for whatever reason maybe it was the way it was designed or laid out or whatever you just didn't feel like this was it but let's say you do choose that home the next thing you do or even in the process of choosing it, you, figure, you try to figure out, is who I am, will who I am work here? And you start imagining colors on those walls and maybe even moving walls or changing walls, you know. But you're thinking, well, my furniture could go there. Am I, am I the only one? Or have I just been married so long that some of the things that Melissa thinks has traveled over into my head and heart? You guys know what I'm talking about? You move in, it's like, oh, our couch could go there. And that, we would have to paint that wall because that wouldn't match our whatever. And so you start considering how will my life, who I am, fit there? And, and how can I make this a place that feels like home? It feels like me, right? And then once you've kind of decided that, one of the things that's in there is you think, okay, how much is this going to cost, right? 
And that, for some of you, that's actually more, maybe more of the bigger. But you think, okay, is this a place, is this house a place where I want to invest my money? You know what I'm talking about? Is this a place where I want to sink some dollars, some time, some energy, some sweat equity? Is this a place that I want to do the work or pay the money or make the investment? Is this a place where I can rest? And if I feel like it is, my second question is, is this a place where I can invest? And if you decide that it is, then what do you do? You go to, and I'm talking about buying. Most of us are not able to pay cash for a house. So what do we do? Somebody tell me what we do. We go to a bank and we get a loan. And I want you to think about this. When they say yes or no or approve you, what is, what is that bottom line thing you do? You sign the closing papers, right? Do you know what that's called? Well, it's called a contract, Pastor Tony. It is called a contract or a mortgage. But you know another word for that? A covenant. You're signing a covenant. Because if you break the covenant or you break the contract, there's penalties to pay, serious penalties, right? So I don't even know if I really even have to go further with this sermon, do I? Can you guys already see the, how this works? It's the same thing when considering a church. Every, remember what I said? Everyone must have, I believe, every believer, because he belongs to the body of Christ, must have a home. And it must be a place where he can in, uh, feel like he can rest his, his heavy heart, his heavy soul, his what, and invest. And you think about that, you think, well, where are... Um, our treasure is there, our heart is. And you can think of it where my heart is, is that's where my treasure is. So if I, if I think this can be home, I will invest here. Apply this to the church world. Melissa and I have always said to people whenever they're looking for church, even people that come into these doors, you know, because Soma's not the only church people visit. And I almost always tell people, listen, if Soma isn't the place, if it just doesn't feel like home, let me know what it is that you're looking for. Maybe there's a particular doctrinal bend or a style or whatever. I know a lot of pastors. I can help you find a home church. But my encouragement is always the same. You need a home church. It may not be Soma. I get that. But you need one. When Melissa and I uh, moved from, uh, when we first got married, a couple years after we got married, we moved to Dallas. And one of the first things we were thinking about is we wanted to find a home church. And we looked... How long was it? I mean, like almost, a, yeah, a year and a half or so, we just looked and we visited churches and visited churches. And some places you walk in, it's like, this ain't home. <laughs> you know, like the time we walked into this one church and we sat down and it was cool, it was nice, really. And then the worship started and I kid you not, these people, these teams of dancers, I don't know if there's another name, correct? these teams of dancers, and I guess fortunately they were all women, but they all had leotards on. You see what I'm saying? I'm glad it wasn't men. But they came out and they were doing all kinds of crazy dances. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but it was like, you know, that wasn't home for us. It was, it was wild. You, got, you remember that? And so anyway, we looked at a lot of different churches and it took a long time. When we found Grace Community Foursquare Church in Euless, Texas, and I'll spare you the details on how we found it, but it was somewhat God and it was immediate. When we walked in, we just knew, like, we're home. We're home. And you know what's crazy? It wasn't a big church. The building was kind of an old chapel, kind of old Baptist or Methodist kind of a chapel. In the middle of a neighborhood, there wasn't anything cool or appealing about it. 
You know, even the way that we came across it was a little bit more of the Lord. It wasn't some sort of, you know, marketing ploy or anything like that. We just stumbled upon this church, walked in, wasn't anything overly nice, but we thought, this is home. Part of it was the atmosphere, part of it was the worship and the praise and the teaching, and then part of it was the hospitality. You guys know what I mean? But it was really important for us that it felt like home. And one of the, going back to this Hebrews 10 thing, we were at a place where we weren't holding fast the confession of our hope. To be honest with you, I've shared some of that story before. I was in Bible school and was being a bonehead. She was at UTA and we were just kind of distracted. And it was one of the, really one of the worst seasons of our life. We almost got a divorce during that season, but God's grace, we didn't. We weren't so much holding fast the confession of our hope. We weren't necessarily doing anything bad, but we weren't holding fast the confession of our hope. We were wavering. He who promised is faithful, but we weren't so much being faithful in just a few different areas in our life. And you could even say that our heart wasn't quite in the right place. We weren't robbing banks, but our heart wasn't quite in the right place. Well, how many do you know? Maybe that's why it took a year and a half to find a church because our heart wasn't quite in the right place because home is where the heart is. And if my heart is not lined up, then it's gonna be hard for any place to feel like home. But we got there and that was one of the places that really built us up after a difficult time. That is the place that, that considered for us how to stimulate us towards love and godliness. We were built up, we were equipped, we were encouraged, we were inspired. To this day, Pastor Eric Hewlett and Susan are our pastors. They are, they are one of three overseeing elders of this church. Still have influence in our lives. You guys see how important that was? And maybe you've been in the season where you can look back to a season um, like the testimony we, hear, uh, we heard here. She's boasting in the Lord, but you can see how the Lord used Soma to spur her on towards good deeds and godliness. Amen? Not forsaking the assembly together, as was the habit of some, but encouraging one another. We needed that encouragement. Home is where the heart is. A church should feel like home. Now, I talked about when you're looking for a church, just like when you're looking for a home, it should be a place where you can rest and invest. Okay? A church, because it is a home, local home expression of the overall body of Christ, when you're looking for one, and you should. Well, you guys are here, and it's like, well, this is home. But I just want to remind you. <laughs> Some of you may be visiting. Some of you are visiting. But when you're looking, whether it's home or anywhere else, it needs to be a place where you feel you can rest and invest. Not one or the other. Both. Okay? Because I know people that go to churches and they invest, especially financially, all day long. But they aren't participating in the rest aspect. And I'm going to break that down for you as it relates to Soma Church. Or some that are participating in the rest. I just love being here, but there's no investment into the church. You guys know what I'm talking about? It has to be both. In fact, put that first thing up there. Church is where the believer can rest. If you want to write that down, I've already said it. Church is where the believer can rest. If you look at Ephesians 4, and you're welcome to turn there. 
And I read some of this last week. I'm going to continue on. In Ephesians 4, it says now, starting in verse 11, it says, And he, talking about God, the Holy Spirit, he gave some as apostles. And he gave some as, as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Some of you may know those five things as the fivefold ministry. Verse 12, it says, For the equipping of the saints for the works of service. I'm going to read this out of NLT from here on out, okay? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, God's work, and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's a reference to the overall, the universal body of Christ. Certainly the local, but mainly the overall right here. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He's talking about the church universal. But he uses the local church to build the church universal. You guys do see that, right? I'm reading out of the NLT from here on out. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith, and we talked about that last week, and knowledge of God's Son that we may be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, This is where the rest comes in. This is the role of leaders. He he pointed to the fivefold ministry there, fivefold leadership, to do specific things to encourage people so that we can attain to the unity of faith, so that we can uh, measure up to the fullness of Christ, standard of Christ, uh, and all these things. But here's, here's the real rubber meets the road. Here's the meat of it. Then, when that happens, when you have come and you've participated, invested, what you will receive is rest. Then you will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Remember, let us hold fast the confessions of our hope without wavering. Then you will no longer be immature like children. You won't be tossed. You won't be blown. You won't waver. You will hold fast to the confession of your hope. You won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. And we're going to talk about this part next week. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body Everybody say this, is healthy and growing and full of love. Notice that it, any, nowhere in here did it say anything about rest. But this is the rest that we're talking about. We're not talking about kicking back and falling asleep. We're talking about receiving the benefits that come with being a part of the local church. In fact, I'm going I'm to share something with you that we have said from the beginning, and all of some of you have been, most of you have been through physiology, and we've said this through every physiology, but this is, if you went through this round, this is actually the first time we've ever printed it. But what we put together was a church covenant, what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. As it relates to rest, when you come into these doors, here's what you can expect. Remember, it came from the fivefold ministry, the ministry that you receive here, it brings rest. It makes you healthy, makes you strong, grows you up in love, all of those things. Here's what you can expect. And I want you to hear this. What you can expect when you walk in these doors from Soma elders, leaders, 
and members that we will be praying for you weekly. You probably didn't know this, but you are being prayed for weekly. Weekly. To provide authentic atmospheres where you can connect with God and worship. How many of you have ever done that in these walls? You've connected with God and authentic worship. To provide solid biblical instruction for you. We work hard to teach you. We will hold you accountable to a life lived worthy of the gospel. To encourage you in your faith, walk every way that we can. To encourage you. Remember, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And let us consider how we can spur one another on towards good deeds and godliness. Let's don't forsake the gathering of the saints like some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another as the day approaches. Hopefully you come to this place and you feel encouraged every week. If you feel encouraged, do you know that you're entering into the Lord's rest? If you walk out of here encouraged, you are entering into the Lord's rest. If you walk out of here not encouraged, it's Marvin's fault. (laughs) Another thing you expect from elders and leaders and members is to equip you for the works of ministry as best as we can. We're not perfect in any of these things, but as best as we can, we want to equip you for the works of the ministry. It's what Paul was talking about here in Ephesians chapter 4. And then to empower you to step out in your giftings and callings and impact the world around you. Why? Because that's, that's basic, baseline level stuff, being a believer. That's what you can expect, that we will, the best we can, empower you to step out in your gifts. And the last thing, and we say this a lot, is that we will rejoice when you rejoice. And we will mourn when you mourn. Because that's what a church family does. When you're at home, that's what a church family does. We support each other. We help each other. We encourage each other. We help each other hold fast to the confession of our hope. Amen? If, and I'm telling you, and some of you may can give testimony to this on your own. Seasons where we are not connected to a local home church there's a sense of restlessness in us. There's a sense of wavering. You know, again, maybe we're not robbing banks, but are we, are we being pushed towards love and good deeds? Or are we really kind of able to do whatever we want? Yes, accountability comes to living a life worthy of your calling with a home church. Just like in our home, there's accountability. Listen, somebody got to do the dishes. <laughs> and it's your job. I got to hold you accountable. You said you were going to do the dishes. You didn't do the dishes. Yes, there's accountability, but we don't shriek away from that. We embrace it because we know that accountability spurs us on towards good deeds and godliness. Amen? Those things happen when you're a part of a home. You can expect rest from this place. You can expect to be healthy and growing and full of love. Again, are we perfect? Is any church perfect? No. But that's what you can expect. If you've said, Soma Church feels like home. And I think that's true of lots of churches. The second thing is, is church is where the believer can invest. You cannot be a part of the body of Christ and not invest. It's, it's theologically impossible. You do realize that. It is theologically impossible to be a member of one another, a member of the body of Christ, universal, 
and not invest. The context of where you do that is in the local church. Now, can you do things that are outside of the church? Of course. Of course you can. But the package, the encouraging, the empowering, the equipping overall is done in the context of church. For example, there may be gifts that you have or desires and passions that you have to serve and and use what God's put in you that don't happen. Like we don't have that as a church. No church has that specific type of ministry. But what we can do is we can come around you as you seek a place to do that out in the community, out somewhere. And we can spur you on towards those good deeds and godliness and back you however we can. Certainly with prayer, we've done that sometimes financially with people, all kinds of different ways. And then guess what? You're out. You're out far from home. (laughs) And when you're doing that and you're ministering, how many of you know you get tired? You get weary. You get worn out. If you know anything about pouring out, you know you can get discouraged. How many of you know that? Well, the good thing is you always have a home that you can come to and kick up your feet and receive rest. You see why it takes both? It can't be one or the other. It has to be both. A church is where believers can receive rest. A church is where believers can invest. As it relates to the church covenant that I was talking about, one of the things we've said is what the elders and leaders and members of Soma Church can expect from you. Whoa, we didn't say anything about expectations of me. No, 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 it's part of it, right? It's part of it. And it's really simple. We say it four things. We say it this way. To be here in our weekend services and special events as much as your schedule will allow. Like tonight, some people's schedules... It had to do with the steaks, chicken, <laughs> shrimp kebabs, hearts, candies, and whatever else is going on on Valentine's. I don't know, okay? So obviously there's some that couldn't be here tonight. We could, some couldn't. That's okay. Be here in our weekend services and special events as much as your schedule will allow. Fortunately, we're not a church that's been, where you been? It's Pastor Kurt. We're not that kind of people. But that is part of the expectation. That you just be here. If you're here, if this is your home, be here as much as you can. Second thing is to live here. To live here. That's the way we say it. Live here. Soma is choosing the way, knowing the truth, and living the life. The way that you live the life, we feel like, is by being a part of a life group. Be a part of a life group. That's where the good stuff happens. This is good. You know, the worship is always really good. The preaching is out of this world. We know that. But listen, that's not where the real good stuff happens. The real good stuff is the face-to-face conversations that happen. We love our life group. We love meeting every week in our life groups. It's amazing to live here by joining a life group and then getting involved in other life-giving opportunities. We have encounter services. You can be a part of one of those. We have all kinds of things that are are meant to um, help you live the life. But you're not going to benefit from those things if you're not here and live here. Does that make sense? You know, a third thing is to serve here. That's why we say it. Be here, live here, serve here. If this is your home church, then you got to serve here. Even if your gift is outside the walls. Does that make sense? You've got to do something to contribute to what's inside the walls. I mean, we have a highly invested church, so I'm not getting on anybody. We could actually clap and spur each other on. It's, it's amazing. But that is part of it. If Soma is your home church and, and you know, you've, you've moved your 
couch in up against that wall. You've brought who you are into this church. Well, somebody's got a dust behind that couch, <laughs> right? Somebody's got to mow the yard. Somebody's got to pull the weeds. To serve here in ways that help our body flourish and effectively reach the end church. And the fourth thing is, and we've been talking about this a lot already this year, is to give here. So be here, live here, serve here, and give here by joyfully tithing 10% and participating in other free will offering opportunities. All the time there's some opportunity to bless someone. Some of you guys have blessed people like nobody's business. There's not much more that I have to say. Those are the two things that I wanted to encourage you. Well, I guess three, that everybody needs a home church. Every believer has to have a home church. And a home is where your heart is. And your heart is where your home is. If Soma is your home church, or if you're thinking about it being your home church, or you're still on the fence about that, I have to tell you, ask yourself those questions. Can I rest here? Do I rest here? And do I invest here? And you can say that about any church. If, you, if you're visiting tonight and you're like, no, I don't, I, this, isn't, this doesn't feel home to me. Dude, I am not offended by that. Because some church will feel like home. Amen? And when it does, you get your colors and your couch and you move in. Amen? And you rest there. You get everything out of you can out of the elders, leaders, and members of that church. Let them spur you on towards good deeds and godliness. And then your end of the deal is to live there, be there, live there, serve there, give there. When those things, when that covenant is working, that's the covenant. This is what you can expect from us. This is what we would expect from you. When those things are working well, you have a healthy, thriving, growing, effective church.